what I was going to do with you and Jonah. We, well, I'll do my best to remember. <laughs> well, it has been a while. And it is an old movie, 1941. How many years is that? Uh, 71. 81 year old movie. Wow. Sergeant York. Howard Hawks. True story. Based on a true story. Sergeant Alvin, was it C? Alvin C. York? I think so. And I didn't know he was a real person until I watched this movie and looked it up. Mm. Did you guys know he was a real guy? I didn't. From no, World War I? No. no, it's a good story. Well, this is Stories for Glory, where we talk about the glory of God and the stories of man. And this is an adaptation of one of God's stories told by men. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Sergeant York, 1941 film. Who's the guy? Gary Cooper? Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper. He's the lead. I don't know the young gal's name, but there's, a, of course, a feminine role. And this was requested by one of our faithful listeners. One of his, his, one of his favorite movies in... After watching this movie, I now understand him a little bit better. <laughs> Do you? Now, now I get it. It's like, oh, Davy Crockett and Elvin York are your heroes. I get it. Oh, Davy Crockett is too. Ask him to play the, the ballad of Davy Crockett for you on his guitar. Oh. Well, oh. Well, no, to do that at church on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, we call that special music. <laughs> we have a special... <laughs> The, the movie is about World War One. Well, it's about Alvin York and how he ends up in the war. But he's a... Where is he? Appalachian Mountains, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. And he's just a country bumpkin. In the hills. Up in the hills. Uh, a little hellion, a ruffian, drunkard. A good shot with a rifle and a pistol, though. Mm-hmm. And it's about his conversion. Uh, that is, to Christ his repentance and his change of life and his struggles in dealing with World War I because of his misunderstandings of the Bible. He thinks Christians ought to be pacifists. And so he's very hesitant to get into the war, but eventually he decides to go for certain reasons that we'll talk about. And while he's there, I wrote it down. Well, how, many, how many men did he get? How many German soldiers? Wasn't it over 100? I thought it was 190 or something. It wasn't 190. No, 90? 138? 150? No, it wasn't that many. Well, anyway, him and eight other men <laughs> captured like three <laughs> platoons of German soldiers, and he killed 28, I think, by mm. himself. Uh, took down machine gun nests, and he was awarded uh, Medal of Honor, and man, I should have remembered. I know it's here in my notes, I just need to find it. Yeah, I don't remember what he was awarded. Oh, him and seven other men captured 132 Germans. So, so eight men captured, captured 132 Germans, and he killed close to 30 by himself before they gave up. That's that's rather impressive. So, it seemed so, like, did it seem like the war part of the movie was shorter? I mean, it, it, it seemed like the leading up with his life. It took a lot. To that. Yeah, it took up a lot of the time, kind of the, which was good. I like the slice of life mm-hmm. storytelling kind of thing. Yeah. And this movie came out in 1941, and it was a big push to get America into World War II. Mm. That was like it a was, prop- propaganda it, film? Yeah. Hmm. 
even though York himself spoke against it, like, don't use it for that reason. But people saw the heroism of York, and like, I want to do that. Oh. And a lot That's of like them. Top Gun, after that came out, people wanting to get in the Air Force went way up. In, like, in the first, first Top Gun yeah. or this Top Gun? The first one. Enlistment. Enlistment. In the Air Force went up. Went way up, yeah. Although most of the Air Force stuff is like <clears throat> cheap. Yeah, nice yeah. Jobs. nerdy stuff. Oh, well, my grandfather was in the Air Force, and he said every day he was in an air-conditioned building, mm-hmm. and at lunch they had shrimp. Right. You know, and he'd walk his rounds to the sidearm. Yep. And that was it. Yeah, when they got deployed, to, I heard when they got deployed to Iraq, Marines and Army were on the front line, standing in tents, and the Air Force was in hotels. And well, you know, you gotta <laughs> serve your time on the American dime. And I did read. I don't know where I read it. When some of my internet surfing, looking up things in this movie, this was the first movie that Clint Eastwood ever saw. Oh, really? Well, well, that changes my Do you feel lucky, punk? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This set the tone for Clint Eastwood's life. Nice. So the movie begins uh, rolling credits at the beginning of the film. That's how old it is. And put the credits up front. And it starts with a statement of gratitude. For, and the faith of the men who gave their lives to bring, and it says, to bring peace on earth. So again, this is this is one of the things Greg really dislikes about the military in America, that it becomes idolized. Oh, yeah. Soldiers like that, you, I'm just going to speak on your behalf. Yes, please. Co-opting the language of the gospel <laughs> and giving it to the men of the military is something that's quite absurd in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, these men can indeed bring peace by putting putting down tyrants and the wicked, but to co-opt the gospel language of bringing peace on earth, like that's Jesus' program, that's the church's program, that's an entirely different sword, the sword of the word, not the sword of the magistrate. Wasn't it the world wars that kind of put a, kind of the closing dampers on the, the post-millennial? post-millennial. Yeah. Right. So it t- it's taken some time to revive that. Because mm-hmm. World War One and World War Two were so horrific, right? So, the peace on Earth ideas kind of lost with, yeah. Well, especially yeah. World War One. That was brutal, right? But world War Two was bad, but World War One is just awful. Yeah, it kind of the statement. Yeah, they're both very awful. Uh, the statement at the beginning of the movie makes me think of what people chastise American history for. Yeah. America has a savior complex. Mm-hmm. We're going to go out and fix the world. Right. We're going to go out and stop this and fix that and restore this nation and build up. We've decided we're going to give Israel the Jews back their land. Like, but we can't. Just, we can't just decide. There's people living there. You can't. Well, we're going to do it. You know, like mm-hmm. we have a savior complex. And anyway, that'd be a good conversation for another episode or something. I'll write it down. About what. The offensive approach that sometimes America takes, like Vietnam, you know, mm-hmm. taking the offensive against communism, mm-hmm. it's not what's in the Constitution. But yeah, we should we should have an episode that talks about. Mm-hmm. Don't we kind of have one coming up about principles of war for Christians? Or are you talking oh, specifically about? Do. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay stay tuned. If we wanted to talk about Vietnam, we'd have to have a guest on our show. And he doesn't stay up very late, so we'd have to do it earlier in the evening. Who's that? One of the elders of the church. Oh, they were in Vietnam? No, he's just a military... He's like the resident military historian. Oh. Mm. Okay. 
He's got a lot of good knowledge. And if you go and look at his library, there's like biblical theological books and marriage and family and stuff, and then just war, hmm. war histories and war and generals and battles. Yeah, cool. and hmm. He's probably more a civil war kind of guy, uh, but he's well rounded, I think. Because hmm. I, I really don't know enough about the, the particular politics of Viet, Vietnam to have a cogent conversation about America's involvement. Right. Right. So I don't want to step in on that, but but yeah. we're no, we're talking about World War One and Elvin York. Sorry, yeah, I was trying to. We didn't get very far. We're in the opening credits, <laughs> but the the church it begins in a church. Feel free to interrupt me if you want to say anything about the church. The uh, the men and women are separated in the congregation. Men on one side, and women and children on the other, and they're singing in parts. Hmm. They're singing when the roll is called up yonder. They're singing their parts, and I thought that was really cool for a independent fundamentalist Baptist church <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to be singing in parts like that. This and then is yeah. around the turn of the century, why? What was the principle of men on one side, women and children on the other? Do you know why did they do it that yeah. way? I've heard different things. Uh, some good. Well, here's a good explanation why they did it. Well, here's a bad explanation. So I'll just stick with the good one. Uh, <laughs> That it's the church's effort to reinforce the fact that in the congregation, you don't come as the Barnes family. You come as a son of God. You're part of his family. So by separating the families like that, uh, you become one big family mm-hmm. of the church. Mm-hmm. And it stops, like, uh, patriarchy stops at the door. Jesus is the head of the church. Dad isn't. Uh, Jesus and his officers serve the bread and wine. Dad doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a distinction there. So it's a breaking up of the nuclear family to be absorbed into the family of the church. We are one loaf, one bread, one family. And that's that's a good reason that I've heard the church did that. But. Hmm. And I, I can see the that. The church did that the, as yeah. an explanation of why they were doing that? I don't know why that Baptist church was doing it, but why the church in general has, has in the past separated the men and the women mm-hmm. in the congregation. To reinforce the idea that the the family that matters, like Jesus says, is the family who does the will of his Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. You're not there because you're a Barnes. You're there because God baptized you. Right? Mm-hmm. And you give thanks that you're part of a Christian family. Yeah. But in the corporate worship, you're, you're there uh, on your own under the blood of Christ. Mm. You're not there under dad. You're not there under mom. You're there as a Christian. So. And so you don't end up sitting next to someone else's wife. All the men sat together. Oh, and yeah. All the women sat That's together. That's right, yeah. Stops the, the handsy and the footsie. <laughs> and in the church, the elders were sitting behind the pastor while I was preaching. Okay. That's pretty traditional that the, the elders are, it gives a visual representation of their support of the pastor, what he's preaching, what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He has the force of the leadership of the church. That's kind of neat. In our former church, they had reserved rows kind of halfway down for elders and their families Mm. that they kind of set aside. You think they'd sit at the back to guard the gates? Yeah. Let them in and out? Yeah. Well, they always left early to guard the doors and shake hands. Oh, I thought you meant left early, early. Like, left. Oh, no. Sermon's done. We're not singing. We're going home. (laughs) No, at the end, when everybody was leaving... There would be an elder at the door. Shake your hands. Yeah. Counting heads. 
they'd have been the ones out there telling York to stop shooting stuff up because the pastor was like trying to mm. get a sermon going mm. mm-hmm. and he couldn't because right yeah so yeah there's uh, continuing the story thanks <laughs> right <laughs> thanks for picking it back up which is pretty fun there's fun gunfire outside this, the church like a point in American history where gunfire didn't necessarily stop a service yeah didn't scare people come on alright hold on <laughs> and they wondered like kind of who has a gun and go, who's going to go check on it right but nobody's under the pews nobody's crying right you know they're not soft men they're not soft women in that way yep they don't yeah the pastor just keeps preaching I mean I probably would have stopped probably would have went out there with my gun or something. <laughs> you're a shepherd right you need to right. do what you need to do but the I think it was a small enough town they knew it was Elvin and his buddies his yeah, friends, his yeah posse. well then they knew it was him because when they went out and looked at the tree it had his initials in it yeah A-Y Elvin good York shooting. that is good shooting especially when he's drunk <laughs> So then it uh, proceeds out of the church to the next scene. They're in uh, the general store where the pastor owns the store as well, so he's bivocational. And the re- was it the, when the recruiter comes or the salesman? Salesman for ladies' underwear. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all, all the men are like, you, what are you doing selling women's underwear in public? You can't be doing that in this town. And uh, I thought that was pretty neat. Imagine what they'd think today. Yeah. And he says, you've all heard about the war overseas over, uh, what does he call them? The Krauts or the Huns. I forget what he calls yeah, them. Yeah, they call them both. Yeah. Oh, man, how racist. Those white people calling this other white people. <laughs> uh, and I, I thought you would appreciate one of the old men. And he goes, well, that, that war in our, in our corner of the world know-how. Right. It's like, what does that have to do with us? Mm-hmm. We're Americans. Right. You know, like, why, that's all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> that ain't in our corner know-how. And uh, so that kind of gives the involvement of the people. They didn't want anything to do with it. At least these folk. Mm-hmm. And the mom comes into the, the store, and she wants to talk to the pastor about fixing her son. And pastors don't fix people like that. But <laughs> but I understand the impetus and the pastor's desire to do it. And uh, the mom said, we, I'd like to talk about this. The mom says, Who's to blame Alvin if he busts loose every now and then? Remember, he's drinking and he's shooting and mm-hmm. he's cussing and he's carousing with women. Yep. And she's trying to make excuses for him. Well, who's to blame him if he busts loose every now and then? And it's like uh, Alvin is a victim of his own impulses. Well, who's to blame him? Mm-hmm. And uh, Alvin is to blame. <laughs> right? That's... Anyway, maybe we don't need to talk about it because we're in agreement. This is a big statement. This is. This is a big statement, but this is where transgenderism comes from. That's right. This fundamentalist Baptist (laughs) church. That was so two months ago, by the time this comes out. (laughs) Okay, we're too late. We're too late to get on the the viral train. No one's going to tweet about this? No. So what, so what, you're kind of going through the, the movie, what was the turning point for Alvin going from this, you know, guy that sows his wild oats every now and then, shoots, shoots it up, goes, plays cards, has his drinking fits. And his young brother comes into the bar mm. with a loaded rifle cocked yeah. and everyone just laughs about it. Right, like, right. Man, I wish I lived back then. <laughs> maybe. Nah, maybe not. 
And then they start fighting. <laughs> they start fighting and they just let them fight it out. We've talked about this on the show before. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, let men settle their grievances yeah. without police intervention. You know, if they're fighting, let them fight it out. Yeah. But. So what changed... It wasn't the pastor that changed Alvin, though. It's like, as far as his trajectory, what was it? it was... Well, didn't the pastor encourage him... One of the guys encouraged Alvin to go into the military. Like, a young, rebellious, loose, uh, undisciplined man would do well to go into the military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who encouraged him to do it, or maybe I just wrote it down. But yeah. I wouldn't recommend it today. No. But... Yeah, I don't remember that. I know the pastor encouraged him to respond to the draft, not go hide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing that brings about his conversion is a thunderstorm. Thunderstorm. He almost like gets struck river. struck by lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Which didn't actually happen. In his life. Yeah. Okay. That was made up for the movie. They just took it from Luther's conversion. That probably. His his conversion was longer and over time. Right. He got wore down. And it also seemed like the the late the girl I can't remember her name. Oh, Gracie. The, Grace. Gracie. Yeah, Gracie. Right. Gracie. She was sixteen years old. Yeah. In the making of that movie. That's where it, it seemed like that's where he changed. Oh yeah, he met the girl. Yeah. It gave the him girl. purpose. Yeah. The actress in the movie was sixteen. Right. Oh wow! No, I didn't see that. Sixteen year olds are. You, we shared that article around, really? like, why did why did these young actors in these old black and white movies seem like adults? Remember that article? No. I'll, I'll find it again. Like, why do these young people that are, like, 18 playing roles as a 30-year-old? Like, what? No, I th- really thought they were 30. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I remember that article. Yeah. Hmm. But the, the point of the article was that uh, actors back then, or young people back then, well, they grew up faster, grew of course, quicker, yeah. because they carried burdens of real life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they dressed like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, she was only sixteen when she made that movie. That's crazy. But yeah, he meets the girl. You're right. Yeah, before the conversion, before the lightning, right? Yep. That it, that was the the turning point for him was Gracie and Alvin, and there was the the Lower Land uh, farmer. What yeah. was his name? Turd burglar. Turd burglar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he just he had this moment where he's like, "I'm going to get the girl." Yeah, and that's right. Whatever it takes. And I remember that he went to the banker, sharing this with a friend of ours. And yeah, what do I need to do? Well, it was yeah, it was great. And the the banker said, "Well, you have sixty days to come up with the money." And he's like, "And sixty nights." And sixty nights. Yeah, huh. yeah. It's not just I'm going to work another day. I'm going to work at night. We're right. going to get this done. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, it's kind of the. And he came up short, right? No. He was a few days short. He was a few days short, got an extension, and went then, to the turkey shoot. And the turd burglar bought the land from under him. Yeah. Yep. Even though he had finally come up with enough money through the through winning. Right. Then that's when they showed up and said, oh, he bought it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he sees the girl. In the next scene, he's at home and he's singing and he's combing his hair. He's thinking of marriage. He fixes. He has his mom sew his pants, so he doesn't mean like he gets all dressed up, and uh, then he goes back to Gracie's house. Was it her dad or her grandpa? Who's sitting on the porch reading the Bible? I think it was his, her dad. And he just keeps reading like uh, random verses of the Bible that pertain to the movie. It was pretty funny. <laughs> but he's ready to fight for a girl, and he confronts that man. Right there, in front of her. 
yeah. she goes inside to get a drink, right? Ginger ale or ginger beer yeah. or something like that. <laughs> chases him. Off. And he, they get in a fight right there on the porch. Yeah. And chases him off. So yeah, he he literally fought for a girl. Mm. But I think he chased that guy off before the land deal, wasn't it? Yeah, he wanted to yeah. get the land before he proposed. Right. He wanted. He was tired of. He just chased the, the guy. The yield in the mountains was far less. Than, I mean, the the bottomland farmer was Deferred, far more. Yeah. He was wealthy. Successful, wealthy. Yeah. Mountaintop guys. Yeah, and 60 days to get $70. That's hilarious. Wow. Man, inflation sucks. And then he literally, figuratively, yeah, works himself to death to get a girl. Mm-hmm. Right? That's some good imagery. Yep. Yeah. Then he comes up just short. He, I think one of them said, you're going to have to kill yourself to get that land. I think somebody said that. His mom. I, right, I wrote it down, so I think somebody said it. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Move, move in rocks for 75 cents a day. <laughs> right. So my first job, I think, I rode my bike there. I was making like $1.75 an hour. That's way more than 75 cents a day. It is. Yeah, but a purpose, a goal, a purpose made him straight. Yeah. And cleaned him up. Uh there's there's a CREC conference down in Texas. Uh, it's about how to be a man, and it's uh, find a spouse, build a house. Mm. That'd be a good conference for all of you young men to go to. <laughs> Rich Rich Lusk is talking, and uh, Michael Foster. Mm. It's at Garrett's Garrett Cross Church. Oh, okay. Bound to be full of masculinity. And Bernie, is he in Bernie? No, down in Texas in, uh, is it pronounced Bernie? B-O-E-R-N-E. I don't know. Bernie. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it's in Texas. Look it up. Hmm. Find a spouse, build a house. There yeah. you go. That's a, I mean, it's a good sample for your boys. Yeah. Not that the finding a girl should change the trajectory of your life. Oh, well, it did for me. But, Yeah. Hopefully, as parents, as dads, yeah. hopefully his trajectory is already there. Right, oh, our, our right. kids yes. know. Yeah, you my dad needs to have a work ethic, and you need to be right. going down this path, yeah. not you know drunk shooting your initials into trees. But well, I wasn't doing that. But right, I remember sitting in was it algebra or geometry in high school. I sat next to my wife, and then that week I got a haircut and put on deodorant. And like gave up skateboarding. You know, nope, I'm done with all that. I found someone. (laughs) And everything changed. But I didn't work as hard as Alvin York, but there it is. Mm -hmm. So God gave man the purpose get married and have children. Mm -hmm. There you go. There's God's plan for your life. Yeah. And go to war if you have to. But you'll have to wait for our follow up episode for a discussion about that. (laughs) Yep. Right. We're not getting very far into this movie. We're 23 minutes into our show. So there's a lightning bolt conversion, uh, like like Martin Luther. Uh, and from that moment, he's ready to give his life to God. And he becomes a Christian. And he, he makes amends. Even with the turd burglar. Yeah. He humbles himself to the man who bought the land from underneath him, which prevented him from proposing to the girl he wants to marry. He goes back to that guy. Not to fight him, but to say, can I work for you? Mm-hmm. That was really humble. Mm-hmm. He was eating some humble pie on that one. 
And the man, the turd burglar, I forget his name, he ended up being humbled by Alvin's humility. Right. right? He said, well, if you can farm like down here like you can up there, I'm sure you're going to be bringing in enough crop that you can buy this land from me. Yeah. Like he was ready, like, wow, okay. Uh, yep, you can work the land and you can earn earn it to make it your own. And he's ready to do that. So that was pretty neat to see. His, humility breeds humility. His enemies became at peace with him. Yeah, when he started to do it, it was right. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of a lightning bolt, a lot. I know of three lightning stories in the church. Spurgeon was chased inside from a thunderstorm hmm. when he was a youth. And the only thing open at the time was a church on Sunday morning. And he ran in to shelter from the storm and a deacon was preaching because the pastor was gone and was converted. Hmm. And now we all know Charles Spurgeon, of course, Martin Luther, uh, and then B.B. Warfield's wife. His, she wasn't converted, but you know the, the term thunderstruck? So you get struck by lightning? No, it struck next to her and it She's shattered her. It like shattered her nerves. And she oh. never went outside again. Okay. And B.B. Warfield never left. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. So he'd get he'd get letters and calls to like come and, like we would say, like pre, uh, teach at a conference. Mm-hmm. And he would just write out his lecture and mail it to them because wow. he wouldn't leave his wife. Mm-hmm. So that lightning, that thunder story is more about his dedication to his woman. Like, good on you, yeah, B.B. Warfield. But, and then, of course, Alvin York, at least in this movie, gets uh, thunderstruck. You think they pulled that from Luther or Spurgeon? The Spurgeon conversion or the Luther conversion? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, Zeb. That's his name. That's a good question. Zeb is the turd burglar. Zeb. I wrote Zeb is a worm. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably Spurgeon. Yeah. Being Baptist. Right. Well, we assume they're Baptists. They did have elders. So, I mean, that's <clears throat> probably wasn't common for fundamental Baptists in that era. Yeah, well, that actually got the church in, uh, element in trouble because when he uh, filed for religious exemption for his pacifism, they didn't recognize his church because it was just an in- independent mm-hmm. individual church. It wasn't part of a broader assembly. Yeah. And if it would have been part of a broader assembly, they would have recognized it. But that was just his own interpretation of the Bible. Didn't have credence in law. Yeah. So become a Presbyterian. <laughs> Well, actually, in our CREC, we have a memorial on war and terrorism. And in that memorial, it talks about women... Uh, my dog barking. It talks about women uh, being... It's against God's law for women to enter warfare. And one of our ministers married a, a lady from South Africa. And when she became a citizen of the United States, she appealed to get out of the draft. Uh, on the basis of our memorial, and they uh, permitted it. Hmm. So, there you go. Become a Presbyterian. It works. So I'm going to make a side real question. She had to enter the draft to become a citizen? Do your daughters have to? Or you take a vow. Apply for the draft? Yeah, I don't know if that went through. You take a vow and you become a citizen to defend the country. Okay. I forget, it's warfare language. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't make that vow or that okay. oath. Mm-hmm. Made, might, might not have been the draft. But I'm not going to make that oath because of the religious convictions of the CREC that women ought not to enter into combat. Okay. And they reviewed our documents and they approved her. And she became a citizen. I see. Okay. So that might not have been the draft. 
I might have misspoken. But if the draft no, well, starts taking our daughters, right? Well, we at least we have this. On. And if not, well, well, never mind. I lost them all in the lake. Yeah. <laughs> it was a boating accident. So, uh, they then to, they oh, used yeah. to move to Canada, but I don't think you'd want to do that anymore. No, no, no you don't want to go there. Yeah. Then York gets a letter about the draft. Speaking of the draft, York mm-hmm. gets a letter in the mail. He's called up on the draft. Um, and he's wondering, reading his Bible, if war conflicts with God's law, uh, uh, with the ethics of the kingdom. The draft board doesn't see a Presbyterian. They see an independent Baptist, and they say, <laughs> no, you have to go. This isn't good enough. Um, it's, it's interesting in the history of World War One and World War Two. some of the most decorated soldiers are Quakers, which are pacifist huh. groups. So you look, I think Audie Murphy was a Quaker, uh, I can't remember all of them. There's like three or four of the most decorated Marines, really? and they're all Quakers. <clears throat> You're like, what? Right. And the Alvin York is a pacifist, and look what he did. Right. It's like, come on, guys. Uh, but the, the recruiters come, the, the general, is he a general, captain? Pretty much they say, you have to go, Alvin, it's the law. And I, and I wrote down in my notes, what do you think about that, Greg? <laughs> If, if the United States government comes and tells a man, you have to go to war overseas, it's the law. Or is this in our follow-up episode? <laughs> I don't remember what's in our follow-up episode. Okay. Yeah, this first episode's recorded after our follow-up episode. <laughs> the magic of Hollywood. Time travel! <laughs> I think you got a way out. Count your cost. But I don't think the government, under law, under real law, law that honors God, can conscript men and force them to go yeah. fight. Yeah. Or is there a in unjust war? Is there? Ah, well, you mean you mean kind of the cost? Like you're going to go to prison if you don't? Is that what you're talking about? You you yeah. go over to is war there, or yeah. is there a point if our we're probably getting our No, go ahead. No, no. Over. Well, it's part of the movie. Right. It's something he struggled what with. If, what if Germany was attacking the shores of America? They weren't just, you know, fighting oh, yeah. the, you know, the Great Britain and France, yeah. but they were actually yeah. here where it is in a defensive model. And the, yeah, I don't remember when we were talking about... Yeah, are you a Christian nationalist, Greg? Yeah. No. Yeah, we were talking in our in our follow up episode. We're talking about biblical law. But and I, don't, I don't think a government at any point can, by gunpoint, force a man to fight. Right, and right. It's always got to be up to the individual. But I think we talked about in the other episode. Even within Israel, there was there was a, you know, exceptions. But as, but if you were everyone a, comes to appear for war. Yeah, there was there able bodied men. Yep. 20 years and up. Yep, with the exception of married, I think we... Well, you still have to come. Right. right. You still have to come, uh, well, at least for them to the battle line. You still have to come. You have to be mustered for war. And if you're not going to fight, you have to give uh, a, mm-hmm. a redemption price sure. for, for your life, you know, to the, to the war fund, if mm-hmm. you will. And you could go home if... Help me if I misremember. If you were recently married within that year... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember now. So you, you can make your wife it. happy, right? 
Or if you're afraid. Afraid. And if you just bought new land, yeah. you need to go work it and make it fruitful. Right. So those three reasons. And really the, the last one, if you're afraid, uh, that would pretty much, well, I don't, yeah, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And and God said, okay, don't go. Because the reason why you don't want a guy who's afraid to be on the battlefield is because you don't want to be up him. Yeah. You don't want to be the guy who drops the ball mm-hmm. and have all of your brothers killed because of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because of your cowardice. It's better that you, as a coward, <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't say coward. You should, you're rightly afraid of war. That's fine. I don't want to call you a coward. Mm-hmm. But if you're rightly afraid of war and you want to go home, God says, good, go home, because I'd rather you be there taking care of people than letting your brothers die on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I shouldn't call you cowards. Uh, or me. I don't know what I would do. But anyway, those are the... But everybody had to show up. Mm-hmm. So when the trumpets were blown... There's no penalty for not showing up. No. You, you weren't... Th- well, Israel didn't have prisons for a reason. So, so it was what kind did, of like yeah, an unspoken what? requirement. Right. Well, it was a requirement to show mm-hmm. up. But if you didn't... Yeah, you have to go home. Yeah. What you might have to have do a legit re- reason, do you know? Hmm? If they didn't fall within those three categories, so they're like... Yeah, well, I just, like, I don't if go. I said, hey, I'm afraid, you know, I'm, I'm going home. Right. Yeah. If you had three... And then Caleb and Greg were like, bro, you're not afraid. Right. Yeah, I am. <laughs> like, no, I am. I, I don't know. Well, in the rest of your life, you have, have to, to live with that. that. Right. Yeah. yeah, that'd be really hard but to walk away with. No, there was no consequence within... No. Well, except perhaps shame. Just yeah. the guilt or the shame. Right. So, yeah, so the, the law, every able-bodied man 20 years old and up. You're not going to yeah. send 65-year-old men out. I mean, you're still going to have... You think Israel back then, David was probably 17, 18, mm-hmm. when he defeated Goliath. Like, teenage men, remember, we don't, teenagers, whatever that is, young men were very capable of war. Right. But they, they were legitimately the next generation, they weren't allowed to go out and fight yet. You had to be 20 and up. And you had to be able-bodied. So if you were feeble, 60, I don't know, what, 65? 53. 53, Greg? Yeah. Well, I mean, legitimately, how how long could a sixty five year old man last in battle wielding a sword? Right. Fifteen minutes. I. How long? Have you ever been in a real fight? Yeah. Really, like two minutes in, you're both done. That's how tiring it is. Yeah. To be in a real fight, and so uh, the biblical law really narrows in who can come to battle, mm-hmm. and it really pr- protects and defends a whole generation of people, two generations, the elderly and the younger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just swoop in like our draft. Mm-hmm. And take indiscriminately, and force them at the point of a gun right. Right. to go. So. And that's so that's statist. Yeah. If you want to win wars, <clears throat> then you train up that younger generation before they're twenty, so they're whatever you want. Uh, instincts is a bad word, but you train them up, so when the real need arises to go fight, they'll automatically do it. Well, that's what that's what I'm right. thinking. Is like with. In Israel, obviously there were there were people that were afraid, but it was probably by far the exception, not the norm, because culturally, yeah. I, I just think about that. For my boys, if if the draft happened because we we had to be defensive against China, right? I I would want them to feel some shame to not right. fight. Like there's just that. Part, like, well, that's that's hard because America's hard to justify fighting for right now. Mm-hmm. But there is that part of just going 
culturally, it was probably, yeah. it would have been a shameful thing to go, right. oh, I'm 25 and... Yeah, I don't want to get... Yeah. I have PTSD. I want to go yeah. home and play Call, I want to play Call of Duty. Yeah. Right. I got those PTSD for my video games. Those Philistines scare me. Right. You know, like, which right. I guess that was happening in the camp in Israel, so right. I mean, it's a thing, but... Yeah. Why? I can't recall anywhere, at least in scripture, where someone where it's recorded that someone who's afraid didn't go. Mm. We have mm-hmm. things like in the book of Judges when certain cities or tribes didn't appear for war. Mm-hmm. They didn't even show up mm-hmm. to be mustered. And they get chastised for it. And some of them even get killed. Was it uh, Gideon who killed some men? Some of the leaders of... Man, I can't for, I forget the city. Ephraim? Oh, the city? I don't know. But he killed some of their elders... For not mustering the men to join him, he chastises some and whips them with thorns. Yeah, you know, for and it's not because they didn't come to the battle; it's because they didn't they weren't mustered. They didn't come to appear before the battle because they could have gone home, yeah. but they didn't even show up to support their brothers. They didn't fulfill God's law. Right, and it's not like he, uh, Gideon was chastising them for not fighting; he's chastising them for not showing up. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference there. Yeah, that correction. I would still want my boys to be ashamed, even if it's in the current America that we live yeah. in, because there's still lots of defenseless, defenseless, like yes. defenseless people that they could be protecting. Yep. So they should be, they should feel shame if they don't want to go to war right. on a defensive stance. Like yeah. if they're invading, if we're being invaded, I would want my boys and myself, I guess, up to. Right. What was the age? 53 or 63? 53. <laughs> 53. <laughs> when is, when is so, 52 and a half. <laughs> oh, goodness. 65. That's a different oh, episode, yeah. Social Security. <laughs> so York is debating whether or not to go, and he keeps quoting the Bible, and he says things like, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. Notice that, inherit the earth. Hashtag post no. <laughs> uh, and he says things like, the kingdom of Christ is not of this world. And oh, it's Gnostic. Well, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Oh, sorry. But what's the definition of of? Mm-hmm. And I, every time I re- in John, when I read that, and every new Bible I get, I scratch out of and write from. Because mm-hmm. I think it's the Greek word de, which means of or from. And my kingdom is not from this world. Makes way more sense than my kingdom is not of this world. But of can mean from. But anyway, I want to talk about blessed are the peacemakers. And uh, and remember, he's a pacifist. So I don't want, I don't necessarily want to talk about uh, Christian warfare principles. But does blessed are the peacemakers mean that Christians can never engage in violence? Caleb, you're shaking your head no. I don't think so. Well, a lot of Christians take it that way, right? Because it's in the same context of when somebody slaps you in the cheek, you turn them the other also. Right. Sermon on the Mount. So I'm thinking of guys like John Piper. Right. Or they're... They're, they're pacifists because of texts like that. Right. And I think they, they're pietists in the sense that there's a, there's a, a, the spiritual is far more important than the, the material. Where if someone comes into my home and right. is attacking my wife, I don't care the spiritual condition of the person that's trying to to rape and pillage my house, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot them if I have the capacity to do it. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I, I would hope that I have the support of the elders in doing so, even if I go to prison, you know. We'll get you out. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Because, and I think, 
I think where that comes from is that it's the soul of man that is more important than like the which it is to an extent but not to this extent that they take it where the spiritual supersedes the material callings that we have as protectors mm-hmm. and that's uh, the I, you guys probably have more to say on that but no I'm thinking about it I think you probably misapplied right those passages that's why I wanted to bring them up because a lot of people think this way but in light of what was actually going on in the war, he was probably right to not want to go. Well, that's why I said we're not talking about principles of Christian war. <laughs> because he was like the blind squirrel misapplying the passages. Yeah. Because we look back um, when that uh, turd burger, whatever. Zeb. The, Zeb. the guy <laughs> stole that land from him. We're like, oh, wow. Look at that. He didn't get aggressive with them. He made peace. He humbled. Yeah, he was a peacemaker. He and he's going to inherit chief. the land. Right. And look at all the profit that comes from that. Look at his success. Right. But then when he's called to war, and he says, oh, blessed are the peacemakers, then we chastise him for, well, yeah, you're misapplying that. Hmm. Right. Where, oh, I, yes, yeah. if, it's, if it's someone invading his, his home or his land... Then, yes, there's a time. But I think he was right in principle, but misapplying the passages. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think most Christians, when they read that from the Sermon on the Mount, and and they end up gathering a a non-violence, pacifistic theology from it, they're not taking the text far enough. Because what, what I think about, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. How does a Christian make peace? If you're a Christian judge, how do you make peace? By sentencing murderers to yeah, death. Yeah, You know, so if you're a homeowner and you get a a, a villain breaking in to right. take he your wife and he goes the next mm-hmm. to the neighborhood. Right. So how do you make peace in your home in your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. By removing the wicked. Right. And that's violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing that God does in the world. Mm-hmm. And God is a is a God of peace. And he's a God of peace because he brings an end to the wicked. Right. Right? And he does it violently. Mm-hmm. He kills them. <laughs> right. You know? Mm-hmm. And Christians made in the image of God can do appropriately so, according to God's law and the offices that you bear, you can do the same thing. Yeah. Christians are peacemakers because we are given the task by, of, by God to remove wickedness from the earth. Mm-hmm. Not to abide wickedness to exist. That's not peace. Right. So how would you apply that to Turdburger who stole his land? That was wickedness. Right. But he overcame it through... Peacemaking. Peacemaking. Not trying to eradicate the wickedness from in front of him. Yeah, I, it's kind of like when we talked about in What About Bob? Remember that lake house that... Uh, what's his name? Dr... Leo Marvin. Dr. Leo Marvin bought out from under this immigrant couple uh-huh. he just put in a higher bid and he got the house mm-hmm. it's kind of that's exactly what Zeb did he put put in a higher bid cash cash dollar down right now like I'm gonna buy it from you mm-hmm. and that undercut the previous opportunity mm-hmm. who he's already late on his payment you know mm-hmm. it's like well as the seller what are you gonna do he broke his word yeah so he should have had beef with the seller so, not with Zeb yeah and then in that particular context, like in What About Bob, 
Well, what can you do? Right. What? I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of control over it. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of options. Did you did you get the extension in writing? Is there a legal contract you guys wrote up? Can you bring him to court? Mm-hmm. If like, he goes vigilante, it's going to go... Yeah. If he turns to physical violence over that towards the seller, he's doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So. Right. So I think in that instance, what Alvin did with Zeb, the turd burglar, is exact the exact kind of peacemaking he should be after. Mm-hmm. After he punched him in the face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of, you know, the, the anger... The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And yeah, and I think mm-hmm. it, even in these principles, there is still the offensive versus defensive idea. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, he's probably so he might have some judicial things that he could pursue. But like, you know, there there is that like he doesn't. We're not called to take the offense. Yes. We're not called to go and try and right. install justice. Um, that's where World War One is a. I don't know the full history. I've, I've listened to some mm-hmm. like hardcore history stuff on it. Nineteen seventeen. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's just like, why was America over there? Yeah. I mean, what? Why were we there? Mm-hmm. Money making machine. It was. Yeah. Right. And so that's where you could go. Mm-hmm. His conscience was right in saying, "No, we don't have just cause for this." Mm-hmm. But with his the the shady dealings of the landowner right. what do you do I mean, to yeah. some extent, I mean it's, it's the same with Jacob like what do you do with Laban right. he changes wages ten times what are you supposed to do right. but Christian violence predominantly through church history has been reserved for the defense of the help, the innocent and the helpless mm-hmm. uh, out of the commandment to love God and love your neighbor you take up arms like that's been the predominant at least in the reformed tradition when, when do Christians become violent? When love of God and love of neighbor demands us to. And that still takes wisdom. Because right. then you could re-justify. Then World War One could be justified. Going to war. You have to listen to our next episode. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, are they our neighbors? In what way? How are they our neighbors? Everybody's our neighbor. Okay, you just you can't do that. You can't flatten the world that way. Yeah, that's where it does, and that's where I think things like the Constitution come into play too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's providing some kind of framework yeah. for what what is right and what is wrong, when you can, yeah. when you can't. Right. And York didn't have this kind of thing to talk through. And again, become a Presbyterian. You need a broader church. You know, not to to slight our independent Baptist brethren. I love you guys. Transgenderists. No, they just don't grow. <laughs> They might grow in numbers, but they don't grow in maturity. That I don't know. <laughs> you do too, no. Oh, well, they don't no, grow in maturity because their doctrine's never challenged by a broader assembly. <laughs> There's just nothing there. Is there? Is it possible to be an isolated, independent, fundamentalist Baptist these days? No. I think the well, that's more of a Caleb question. I don't know. Has shrunk so much that you can't be. If you're a Luddite and you turned off your internet. I'll ask some of my family members. Well, that just proves your point that you can't because you're going to go ask them. So anyway, uh, York eventually sits up on a mountain, mountaintop experience with his Bible open. Doesn't it, did the wind like blow the pages or something and he just looks down and reads a verse? Like, I hate that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah, the, the wind Holy blows Spirit. the pages. The wind, the Holy Spirit. And boom. Would you stop it? <laughs> Movie magic. It was a fan. And it opens up to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render unto God the Amen. things that are God's. And he's like, Amen. okay, I'll go to war because this is Caesar's. Yeah. Greg, what do you think about that? <laughs> I think we, we think that's a really easy passage to understand. Well, it is. I, I preached on it. Don't you I remember? Know. I know. I know. Oh. Yeah. All right. You got but 30 seconds. It's hard to apply in wisdom. <laughs> yeah. The, what is Caesar? <laughs> what is God's? The thing uh, that I brought out in that sermon in Matthew 22 so long ago. Which I wrote in my notes. Right. <laughs> when your eyes were falling. The word render, even in English, means to give back. So you give back to Caesar what Caesar gave to you. Mm-hmm. Which is why Jesus says, pay, pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. Caesar, Caesar gave it to you, give it back. But things like putting your daughters in the draft... Caesar did not give you children. Right. You don't yeah. render to Caesar your kids. Ooh, yeah, like right? that. You render to God the thing. You give back to God the things that are God's. Hmm. You give back to Caesar the things that Caesar gave to you. And at least... You I, give back to Caesar that's the a, things that are truly Caesar's. That's a guiding principle, at least. And we could talk about implications and... What, what are you thinking? Maybe you could expand on nope. how Caesar gave you money so you should give that back in taxes well it's got his name on it well yeah we're confined to I mean yeah in our slavery state so if I operate well, that, just what, in bitcoin go ahead. I don't have to pay taxes not anymore not anymore Caesar took that over too <laughs> my account is well, when, my photo ID <laughs> when Jesus says to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's he asks the Pharisees, whose image is on the coin. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, it's Caesar's. So, who has the power of the dollar? Who gives it force? Well, Caesar does. Mm-hmm. It says the United States, what does it say, tender of the United States government, or something mm-hmm. like that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Caesar's. So give it back. And don't don't worry about it. And that's the thing Jesus talks about. Don't worry about it. Your Father in Heaven will take care of you. Mm-hmm. So. And in this movie, it's... It's also Caesar's responsibility to bring peace on earth. Yeah, that that was a problem, right? Yeah. Right. But Caesar gave uh, Alvin York his citizenship, so Alvin needs to offer up his citizenship in fighting whatever battle Caesar directs him to. No, because first and foremost, your citizenship is in heaven. You belong to a higher kingdom. <sighs> Because yeah, Jesus, first and foremost, <laughs> kingdom is real, and it's from God heaven. owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. So, yeah, that's the already not yet. Didn't you hear my sermon this Sunday? <laughs> Are you not listening at church, Greg? The world is becoming what God says it's going to be, just like you are. Yes, but I said, Alvin should offer up his citizenship because his citizenship came from Caesar. And you said, no, we're citizens of heaven. First. And I said, yeah, likewise, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So Caesar doesn't have a claim on my money. Except it's Caesar's money. <clears throat> you just went from cattle and hills to money. <laughs> I think our listeners are following me, at least. They probably are. But... I agree with you in principle, maybe, 
but we still live in a government with boundaries and laws. I'm not saying it's all good, of course. Yeah, I think. We but are. we have to recognize where we live in the slice of history we have. I agree. We should pay all the taxes that we that are due to Caesar. It's a good way. But every dime that is due to Caesar, we should pay. And our Constitution says there shall be no standing army. So all those taxes they take <laughs> for our standing army should be given back. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? <clears throat> oh, yeah. sure, that works too. Yeah, we're so far from. I don't know what episode this was. <laughs> we're so far from our Constitution. It's not even funny. It, yeah. The Constitution, what's that? But so, uh, York is an early Forrest Gump. He gets all the medals of war that we've already talked about earlier, capturing all these Germans, except Forrest was in Vietnam. Forrest was fiction, but York was real. Mm-hmm. And then he comes home and he meets the president, you know, and he's going to all these like conventions and he's like, hey, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Just give me Dr. Pepper. And they're like, hey, we're going to put you on tour and you're going to make $250,000. Remember, and all he wanted was $70. Uh-huh. And he goes, well, really, I just want to go home and get to work on the land. And he wants to go home to his woman. He wants yeah. to build a home. And he's forsaking all the, all that riches uh, to get home to see his mom and his family. So I thought that was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how dare he go home to a nice house. To nice things that just oh it was a good gift from the community and he's married he's married by the church well they the pastor is usurped by the governor the governor marries them the state marries them yeah I was really mad about that I have never stood by the power invested in me by the state this? of yeah who liked this movie so much yeah you should talk to him about it he doesn't have yeah, why does the state need a marriage? No, the state ought to recognize the marriages we have. They don't approve of them. They un- recognize them. Unbelievers can get married. Right. So, as an unbeliever... But it's not a state institution. Marriage is a... Yeah, it's not limited to the state. No, they ought to recognize it. Yeah, yeah. they ought to recognize That's what I'm saying. That. But it's, it's an institution... Within the state, because there's lots of unbelievers that can make a covenant with each other and get married. Right. So, but I suppose a Christian marriage is done with God in covenant. Two people in God in covenant. So it has to be in the church. Yeah. Right. In the state, right. yes. And Alvin was a Christian. The state yeah. ought to be a witness to what the church right. ordains. What happened to Alvin? I don't know. Man, those Baptists came back from war, and he's just like, "Yeah, let's just have the state do it." He became a statist. And and where did all that house and stuff come from? It wasn't just the community, was it? I thought it was just the community bought it, gave it to him, built it, whatever. I'll have to watch it again. We'll have to ask our listener. I thought it was more of a was it the state thing? Yeah, did the state give it to higher up thing? Oh, maybe it was the state. He just he just lived in the welfare house. But I think it had something to do with him turning down all the money they were trying to give him, saying, "No, mm-hmm. oh, I just I just want to go home." It yeah, just... somebody asked in the movie asked Gracie, you know, with Alvin doesn't have any money, you know, he just got back from war. How are you guys going to make this marriage work? Government. And, well, <laughs> no, she said it was a great line, and I really appreciate if it was if it really happened. That's fantastic that she said this. It shows her maturity. 
She said, I expect my husband to love me, and the Lord will take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, damn right. Yeah, go. She's going to respect her husband, as she's doing, right? And he's going to love her, and the Lord's going to take care of the rest. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't care. Obviously, if they're going to live up in the highlands or the lowlands. This story, the Lord used the state. The Lord, and in this story, the Lord took care of it by using the state. Yeah. You're going to have to... You're going to have to give somebody the rib on Sunday. But it, yeah, he gets 200 acres, a house with a pump uh, for what he did in the war. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because every time anybody wanted to give him something for what he did in the war, he always refused it. Because mm-hmm. he didn't like killing. He didn't want to be honored for killing men. He didn't even want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, just every... When they talk, tried to give him to talk about it, he just didn't do it. But then... When they say, we want to give you this land and this house for what you did, <laughs> he right. takes it. You're like, wait, no, you should have said no. But, Principle. He, yeah, he gave up his principles on that one. So, Or maybe it was kind of the reverse of turning the other cheek. It's like, what are you going to do? Say no. It's well, you should land, have, and they built this. I guess throughout the movie, throughout the movie, York's principles have changed all the time. So this just... Keeps with consistency yeah. with his character. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Do so you guys want to say anything else about Alvin York? Or Sergeant York, I mean, 1941? Mm. I don't remember. We're about to give our recommendations. Three out of five. What? <laughs> Gary Cooper was from the area, from Helena, Montana. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you mentioned that. And I don't remember all the details, but he grew up out by Craig on a ranch. Craig. And then he went to either Helena High High or Helena Middle School. And then he moved away for a while. But yeah. The only thing I know about Gary Cooper is from Die Hard. <laughs> when Hans Gruber is about to take a nosedive off the Yakutomi building. Yeah. Yakutomi Plaza. Uh uh-uh. no? no, I don't know. And he's teasing Bruce Willis's character, John McClane. He says, "You're American cowboy," and he says, "Yippee kaye," and he says, "Motor scooter," and you're just you're just like John Wayne or something like that. He's like, "It's Gary Cooper, oh. that a hole," <laughs> huh. and then he shoots him in the head. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly. Gary Cooper in real life. Uh, I don't frequented a lot of women. Yeah. Well, in in the movie, uh, oh. Alvin York, however, didn't. Mm-hmm. And the proceeds that he made from this movie, he founded and built a Bible school. Oh, really? Yeah. All the money that he got from this movie, he built a Bible school. Oh. Pretty cool. Principal shift again. That's right. So, yeah. let's do our, uh, any more trivia? <clears throat> That's always fun. No, that was a good one about the Bible school, though. Any what kind of Bible school? I don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't dig any farther. Yeah, I did right. school for transgenders. <laughs> for Baptist transgenders. <laughs> I didn't want to look into it because I don't. I didn't want to know where it where it came to today. Just I was just gonna uh, rejoice that he started a Bible school. Yeah, I did. So, yeah. How about I go first? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think I've ever gone first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first shall be last. In the last, just skip ahead five minutes, and then you'll hear me first. No, I don't, I don't remember what my meter, what my measurements were, but uh, three, three out of five, three nineteen out of five, I think it was like three out of five turkey shoots. I think that was it. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever need to shoot a kraut, gobble like a turkey. 
When he'd always lick his finger and touch his sights. Do you think that actually works? And they said, what, what, why do you do that? And you think it's just a, a habit or out of luck. They said it, it reduced the glare, right? But you think if it was mm-hmm. wet, it'd have more glare. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fake. Put some dust on it. Yeah. Some dirt. And that's what a turkey shoot is? Where you wait for the turkey to stick its head out from behind the log and then you have to shoot it? We're on recommendations. I, we, mean, I guess so. And you're shooting for a I don't think it's hole. that easy. I think turkeys are way smarter than that. <laughs> Except they look up in the rain with their mouths open and drown. Well, I know the guys at Turkey Hunt have to dress in full camo and can't make a noise. Yeah. Until, they get pretty spooked. Yeah. Well, Ben Franklin wanted the turkey to be the <clears throat> nation's bird. <clears throat> but he got turned down for the eagle, which is yeah. a scavenger. Yeah. And eats carrion. He didn't want it because the eagle eats dead things predominantly. Oh, it's like, no, that's not America, but it kind of is. And the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and the turkey eats what? Grain? Well, the turkey's just an industrious, fruitful animal. Oh. Yeah. It's more representative of a prosperous nation than... I mean, the eagle. bald eagle does eat fish. Like you, you've yeah. seen a picture online of an oh, eagle. Oh, that happens all the time. It should have been a golden yeah. eagle. Golden yeah, eagles are... Fish. I love golden eagles. Those things are beautiful. Golden eagles are more of the... Oh. the pre- like the... They're so pretty. Part, like the scavenger. Are they really? Yeah. Because oh, they, yeah. they don't go fishing. Like the, the bald eagles actually yeah. do. Well, bald eagle... Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. On a scale of... America. On a scale of beauty, the golden eagle, in my mind, rates above the bald eagle. Yeah. They look cool. And did you know... I think I heard this... I think I heard this. <laughs> you just when you hear, you're starting a rumor all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, when you hear bald eagle, when you see a bald eagle flying in a movie, and you hear that, <laughs> that's really the red hawk. Call. Oh dang it! Oh, that's not really what bald eagles sound like. <laughs> it's kind of like in Jurassic Park when the Velociraptor shrieks. It's a mix between a lion and a tiger. Oh, because they know what Velociraptor sounds yeah, like and what color oh, yeah, they were. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, according to them, it should sound more like a chicken. Because it was going to grow feathers. Right. It became a chicken. Three out of five turkey shoots. Oh, yeah. We're on recommendations. It was a a good movie. And the the character of Alvin York was outstanding. And I wish. That's. We've got a job ahead of us. Instilling that character in the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb. B. I liked it. All right, family friendly. Family what do you What do you got to say yeah, to that? You know, I think I can't remember if I watched it. Yeah, it's been a while. I think we watched it with the kids. Yeah, it's yeah. Good, I think good, you mentioned you did watch it. Yeah, it's a good wholesome movie. You know, like Greg said, Alvin, a guy that you could point to. I like I like this the yeah. story of his his conversion, like finding the girl that changed him. I like the like the little things that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Hard right. worker. Work ethic. Didn't like his pacifism, but it didn't stop him. But you can talk about it, too. Yeah. It's a good talking point. Maybe we should cover that in our next episode. We should talk about pacifism in our next... Look forward to that, listener. Uh, anything else, Caleb? No. I, I give it a 7.7 out of 10. I think it's family-friendly. I think it's great to talk about with your kids. It's good history. It opens up a whole avenue of conversations. American history, war, Christian ethics, so on. So I would, I would recommend, I think I actually put it in my Amazon cart to get for my son for Christmas. Mm. Cool. Uh, it was, it's 1941. I, th- I think there's one scene where there's blood, but it's in black and white, and I doubt my son's even going to notice. Right. 
but it's it's a really good tale. It's not like a coming of age story, like a young man, young boy grows up to be mm-hmm. a man, but in a way, a young young yeah. boy grows up to be a man, yeah. and you get to talk about it. And boys love that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Any other thoughts before we click the stop button? Um, in light of oh, sixteen-year-old actors looked older. Because oh, I'll try to find that article they, and link it in the description. They dealt what, what? What was the? What, they dealt with life. Yeah, they they were uh, burden bearers of real life. Of real life. So in that sense, you shouldn't be afraid of. And they also smoke three packs a day. You shouldn't be afraid of your son seeing some blood. Oh, right. So mature. No, I'm not afraid of that. Yeah. Yeah, he bleeds quite often. Anyway, he sees more of his own blood than. Mm-hmm. Anything else? But. All right, yeah, so show your kids some war movies from 1941. Thank you for listening to the Stories for Glory podcast. If you have a recommendation for us, please send it in for a movie or, can we say book, too? Would you guys be up for reading a book? No, I don't read. Ah, you fibber. Okay, we could. Short books. Short book. <laughs> 300 pages or less. Any If it's the Iliad or the Odyssey, we're out. Forget about it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode. Proverbs 25.2 It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Thank you for listening to the Stories for Glory podcast, where the glory of God is revealed in the stories of man. If you're interested in what we are doing, subscribe and share. If you'd like to contribute with your questions or recommendations, you can email us at storiesforglory at protonmail.com.